You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. We're going to be taking you through the last minute spring training and opening day roster decisions the New York Yankees will be going through in the coming days. This is your final live Yanks Go Yard pod, 2 o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays, before the season begins, unless, of course, there is a ring out on Thursday, which it seems like there might be. So hold off on handing your boss that I got to be out of work note until the last minute because it might be monsoon conditions and frigid temperatures, which you don't want. Uh, but the Yankees are making trades heading up to the deadline. They made some swaps this weekend, one on Saturday and one on Sunday with the Crosstown New York Mets reshaping their bullpen and the end of the bench. We'll talk about those, plus a couple of people who are clamoring for very few spots on the opening day roster, but are all sort of making their cases in slightly different ways. And then three spring training mirages, I think you should actually buy into. It's time to get a little bit excited. People are starting to discount the Yankees. People are obviously discounting spring training performance, but they're not thinking about what lies beneath. So we're going to talk about the underlying factors that should actually get you encouraged for the regular season instead of annoyed by the fact that we're still like two and a half weeks deep into spring training. By the way, one of the shortest spring trainings ever, still too long. Still feels too long. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us those five-star reviews. Along with a mailbag question, we would be more than happy to answer it. We're asking you to include that mailbag question in the review. Not a separate thing. Just, just type it in that review. Drop the review off. No four stars, no three stars. 
Obviously, no one or two stars. We have no interest in that. But please leave us a review, rate us, and join us live on YouTube again, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays. You can also find us on Twitter at the same time. going to be experimenting when the regular season begins. going to do some Twitter spaces. going to do some live shows at, at times when you might not be expecting them. Live shows is coming at you. trying to sleep, live show coming at you because games are happening. Again, maybe not Thursday, maybe Friday. Um, but uh, either way, regardless of the date, spring training nearly over. If you're one of those people who are living and dying with every spring training result, I urge you, stop doing that. Please don't be doing that. I do not want to be fielding requests from anybody for the next couple of days pending a major injury about how you, you're worried about X, Y. No, you're not. You really aren't. You aren't worried about anything. Please stop thinking about it. Uh, do not give me your blow-by-blow, play-by-play of, of who's striking out in spring training and and who you know was having a little bit of command issues in the sixth inning in Clearwater, Florida, and why Max Burt couldn't come through with runners on second and third and one out in the eighth inning. All right, I don't want to hear it. Uh, but we are here to answer some other questions and talk roster. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, scale of one to ten, how ready are you for the actual openers? And we can stop talking speculation. Ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready for real stuff. Um, it doesn't feel like it's here because this has been a very bizarre off season, but. It is, and it's Red Sox this week, and we should feel a little bit more pumped. Bang right. Um, and in honor of Stone Cold Steve Austin returning to wrestling uh, after 19 years at WrestleMania last night, um, dish out some stunners to Red Sox fans wherever you see them, in the street, uh, coffee shop, mm-hmm. uh, lunch line, wherever it is, um, oh, waiting for the elevator in the, in the, in the apartment complex. It doesn't matter where it is. Great. Spread yeah. the good energy. Get us all excited. Um, we got national championship tonight. Um, we do. My fake team versus your fake team. Yep. Uh, it should be a great, great one. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I love how we're getting a bit of a roster crunch with just a few days to go after these trades. Um, one of these trades pissed me off hmm. just for the principle of it. Uh, the other one made me happy. Uh, let's start with the one that pissed me off so we can keep the, uh, the positive train rolling. Um, the Jose Trevino trade. Um, and look, I'm not an Albert Abreu, Abreu fan, never really was. Uh, thought that trade with the Astros back in 2017 was bad. That was another poor practice by the Yankees, shedding salary, just trying to get rid of money and acquiring whatever assets they deemed that might be appropriate along the way. what they do? They gave the Houston Astros a very integral player who was a key member of their leadership team that led them to a World Series while they, they – uh, pawned off a, a supposed asset on the Yankees in Albert Abreu, who had a very uh, uh, promising fastball, uh, could touch triple digits, um, never really put it together with the Yankees. Um, but once again, once again, this speaks to the greater organizational fail- failures of this franchise is that they sat back and they waited and they spent time with these people. So example kind of that parallels Albert Abreu being dealt to, Albert Abreu, not that great, but a guy who could eat innings at the major league level. And now the Yankees um, and the media are trying to sell us that the reason this trade was made is because he's out of minor league options. But at the same time, he's also probably better than the other guys who we would bring up from the minor leagues regardless. So you might as well use him for a majority of the season and have him eat innings and take pressure off the starting rotation and the back end of the bullpen. Nonetheless, he had two very bad outings last year, once against one against the Rays, which I think we we can all agree it was Aaron Boone's fault for leaving him in there for 45 extra minutes than he needed to. Uh, gave up seven earned runs in zero innings pitched. Hmm. Let me look that you up. Know. But it was the worst outing I've ever seen from yeah. a major league pitcher. 
and that was in Tampa. It was a Garrett Cole start, I believe. So it was extra bad. We ended that up losing correct. like, we, yeah, we lost like twelve nothing or fourteen nothing. Um, awful, awful game. Um, and then he had another one against the uh, Guardians in September. Uh, mm-hmm. Two thirds of an inning, five earned runs or something. But guess he, what? Yeah, the Rays game was no thirds of an inning, four yeah. hits, six earned runs, two six. walks, three bombs, three bombs yeah. allowed. Yep. Um, yeah, it was terrible. So he had those two outings, which amassed to two thirds of an inning, 11 earned runs, completely destroyed his ERA, ended up being what a 5 1 5 on the year, I think. Yep. Um, I'm not saying take those out. He's responsible for those. But the Yankees, who are looking into other metrics around just about every other player, Albert Abreu had a solid season for who he is. Um, I, once again, don't think he's a bullpen asset, but I don't know why you're, why now you're trading a guy who finally started to find somewhat of his footing at the major league level and could have been a mid to low level asset for what you were trying to accomplish in the mm-hmm. bullpen. And the reason you had to get rid of him was because you decided to trade Gary Sanchez, which is also fine, but not have a solution at the catcher position. So Kyle Higashioka, your starter, great. Ben Rortvet, 39 career games at the MLB level, not a backup. Rob Brantley, I like him, maybe a backup. They're not using him as such. So they have to go out and they have to get Jose Trevino, and that results in this trade. And just to compare the Abreu situations, Abreu never made it. It, he t- it took him a while to make it to the majors. Then he made it there and it was a little bit bumpy. And then he found he, he would find his footing in between and then it wouldn't be great. Um, but then he then last year, if you look at the totality of it, mostly fine, obviously could potentially contribute and do something worthwhile. Same situations with Tyler Wade and Luis Sessa. You you hang on to Luis Sessa for however long you did. And he was largely not good. And then he starts showing he's going to be good. And you trade him in a salary dump deal with the Reds to get rid of Justin Wilson's contract. Tyler Wade hung on to since what, 2016 when he made his MLB debut? No role on this roster for four years. Four years of what are you doing with Tyler Wade? What is the point of this guy? He's not being used the way he should. Finally, used somewhat the way he should last year. Shows that he could be a utility player with threatening speed on the base paths, with the ability to be a backup shortstop and putting the ball in play as one of your few contact hitters hit, what, 270 or something? Let something me look that up, too. I got to get you weights. Look it up at. because this is yeah. the shit that pisses me off. Uh, 268, yeah, so just about there. 90 games, games, 104 games? Uh, 127 at-bats, 103 games. I thought it was going to be more plate appearances for Tyler Wade. No. I feel like he started a lot more last year than that. Um, yeah. But he's I, ripping I the ball. So too. Yeah, he's ripping the ball this spring. Uh, the, the Yankees had the least athletic roster in recent memory last year. And one of yeah. like three athletic dudes on the team was Tyler Wade. Then of course they jettisoned him from the roster to make room for guys that they protected for the 40 man, uh, from the rule five draft that never happened. So again, yes. free guys for the rest of baseball, Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade, Clint Frazier. I don't begrudge the Yankees cause they made it pretty obvious. They were never going to use him ever under any circumstances. So best of luck, open the door, let that man fly. But Tyler Wade was used a lot last year, and the Yankees got rid of him for roster upgrades that they could have waited for several for another year on. Honestly, Everson Pereira does not need to be on the forty man, except for he does, but he doesn't, and so he's here now. Okay, so part of it, part of it, Yankees' fault. Part of it, not the Yankees' fault. Yeah. Um, either way, fully indict them for Sessa. That was a ridiculous trade just to get rid of whatever, just to get rid of a million dollars. 
Um, and then they ended up needing a lot of bullpen help towards the end of the year. So um, because they depleted the catcher position this offseason, the fact that they had to trade from another area of need, because the bullpen is still not really finished, at least in my opinion, there still needs to be a couple of pieces in there to, to really make this thing work and not have it be taxed come late August, early September. Um, I don't like that trade. It, that, that annoys me. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but well, that's my stance. Yeah, they they this is first off, this is the best Albert Breeze ever been. I was sort yeah. of comfortable with him entering the season on the roster for the first time in a long time. Boone talked the other day about how, you know, he's out of options, so he will be making the team this year. And that's great. I was totally fine with that. Last guy in the bullpen, pumping 98, having a good spring. Uh, nope, all for naught. Uh, the, the thing that makes me mad here, Jose Trevino, <laughs> by all accounts, is one of the best backups in baseball, one of the top, you know, pitch framers in baseball. The Yankees are now all in on framing. It's hilarious. They went from Gary Sanchez, probably the worst in baseball, to Higashioka, Trevino, and Ben Rortved, who are three of the very best, although the data on Rortved is obviously limited. These are three all-in defensive catchers, and Higashioka has like seven homers in a week of spring training. So very interesting, but Trevino is an ideal backup. There's nothing wrong with having him as your backup catcher. What's wrong is selecting Ben Rortved as your platoon option making him a huge part of the Gary Sanchez you were trade. And then it turns out he's got an oblique issue, but you knew about that already. And it's not resolved by opening day. Now you got to use up another asset that you might've kept on the opening day roster just to get a career backup catcher, like nothing against Jose Trevino. Good guy deserves a spot in major league baseball for sure. There's a role for him. There will be for another four or five years before his body begins to break down. You can back up any team. That's great, but the Yankees just traded for a backup catcher. They made getting Ben Rortvet part of the argument for pulling off that trade and eating Josh Donaldson's money, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but he's not healthy, and we knew that already anyway, so we got to give somebody else up, get another backup catcher in here. Like, I mean, you could have just run with Rob Brantley. Now I'm seeing rumors they're going to transfer Rortvet to the 60-day to clear up another 40-man spot, which, I mean, again, why? do He's that necessary? You need Ben Rortvet? You got to... Like you got to acquire him, and then you got to stop stuff him on the sixty day. Uh, I don't know. I'm not anti Trevino on the surface. It was just sort of jarring. And the second guy in this trade, by the way, Robert Alstrom, the left hander who the Yankees uh, drafted last year, found out he was traded from just some fan account on Instagram. Which, like, is that real? Uh, it seems like, like if so, that's horrible business by the Yankees. You don't let the team account break the news of a trade. Some random guy was like, shout out to Robbie Allstrom. Can't like good luck in Texas. And he was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, the, the account was like, you got traded. And he was like, I did call the guy. Are you kidding me? Do you have his number? If he's in your system, you should have his number. If you're trading him, you, you should have contact info for Robert Allstrom who yeah, best of luck in Texas for sure. Cause clearly the Yankees didn't care about him. They, they probably didn't even know who that was. They were just like, you want that guy? Okay, great. We don't even have his number. So send him to Texas. <laughs> um, a couple of breaking pieces of roster shuffling, by the way, during this conversation, uh, two things to talk about now, uh, before we go into the Miguel Castro trade, which, you know, we obviously can, uh, one, one important, one funny and interesting. Uh, so God, this, this organization, uh, so prior to today's game, the Yankees optioned Davey Garcia and Luis Heel to AAA. They also assigned Manny Banuelos and Ender Inciarte to AAA. So that clears up one of the major roster conundrums. Uh, Banuelos will not be making the big league roster. They would have had to slice someone from the 40-man to make that happen, uh, which they still can do if they want to call him up at some point during the season. But that move has not been made today. Um, he's starting tomorrow's spring training game, which, again, a showcase for nothing. He's already been assigned to AAA. Uh, he was incredible this spring. I think he will appear for the 2022 Yankees, but it will not be. Maybe a trade. 
yeah, maybe a trade. Uh, regardless, he is he is open to eyes, but it will not be on the major league roster opening day. Davey Garcia showed a lot this spring. We'll be talking about him in a second, but he had to go to AAA. There's no way he was opening the season on the big league roster. Luis Heal, a bit of a surprise. He put up an absolute stinker on Sunday. That might have been the differentiator because the one name you did not hear read off here is Clark Schmidt, who came in relief for Heal yesterday, was brilliant, allowed one hit. It was a George Springer home run. Of course it was. It makes the line look worse than it was. He was fantastic. So the Yankees need a swingman. The Yankees need somebody to piggyback Luis Severino. The Yankees need someone in the Albert Abreu role at the very least. Is that the best use of Clark Schmidt's talents? I don't know. When they brought him into high leverage situations in 2020, he was flat awful. When he started the biggest game of the season, uh, of his season last year against the Mets at City Field, he was flat awful. He's been incredible this spring, and the tangible steps forward in the health department, obvious, and the spin rate department make it seem like he's a different pitcher now than he was last year. All of this is to say it does seem like he's making the roster pending a trade. He was, of course, scratched from a start yesterday, and everybody thought, oh, here comes Sean Mania. No, in fact, Sean Mania is getting traded to the Padres for dirt, and Clark Schmidt's just coming in to this game anyway, so there was really no point in any of that. The second piece of news, though, that I do want to talk about uh, that was not uh, a pre-prepared thing, uh, Carlos Beltran um, is on the broadcast today. Uh, and we love that for him. It's his first time on the broadcast. Um, again, a fine addition to the Yes Network family. Um, somehow, he may or may not have leaked an Aaron Judge extension on the air. On the air? Uh, Carlos Beltran's commentary uh, during the <laughs> happening of baseball, a couple uh, uh, Brian Hoke had it in full. Uh, but he basically, I'm looking for it now. I mean, he basically was saying, like, I'm so glad they were able to get Judge extended. Uh, he's a very important part of this team. You know, it's a guy that we need. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Aaron Judge, just a guy that has so much power. And I'm just glad to see him being able to create this new contract with the New York Yankees and be able to extend his stay here in New York. He's an incredible guy. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He's a guy that plays the game hard, and I bet the message has to be, like, from Judge, the Yankees are willing to commit like that for so long. And at the same time, you know, they want to build around him. They understand he's a leader. So I'm glad to see Aaron Judge increasing his stay here with the New York Yankees. This is not a one-sentence misspeak. This is a full paragraph. That t- How long did that take me to read? Like, 20 seconds? Uh, that's what Carlos Beltran said about Judge. He did not say he's thinking about extending. He did not say the two sides are having talks. Uh, He did not say, you know, if the Yankees were to extend him, that would be beneficial. He just straight up read a long paragraph about how important it is that the Yankees and Aaron Judge have decided to stay together long term. So congratulations to Carlos Beltran on working for the S Network for one day, uh, (laughs) maybe one hour. You will be getting fired. Uh, Again, you will be a Yankees Yes Network analyst for just about as long as you were the Mets manager. Um, But you can't be be reading paragraphs. You said he clarified. Did you see that? No. On Yes Network, Carlos Beltran clarifies that he was saying he hopes Judge will sign an extension with the Yankees. Yes, I mean, that is certainly what you have to say. Uh, (laughs) Andy Martino said apparently something was said on the Yankees broadcast to indicate otherwise, but there's no agreement at this moment between the Yankees and Judge on an extension. I have heard offers for more than 30 mil per year, but it's not done. Now, if if Judge doesn't sign a 30 mil per year uh, offer, that is insane um that's another thing entirely and if he doesn't sign by opening day we'll certainly be talking about that but carlos beltran seems to think a deal is done then the pr machine got to him and instead of firing him they uh just had him clarify which i think is very nice of them because they could have easily just uh pulled him off air immediately with a giant hook 
That is ridiculous. Um, well, uh, hopefully we get some news of a judge, judge extension. Let's get a live judge extension. Let's get something live here that we can work with. Something that's actually like news and fun and positive. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Oh, the speaking of Beltron. So we talked about the sign stealing stuff that he that 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 interview aired with Michael K today on the Yes Network at like noon, mm-hmm. um, and he was talking about how uh, he how the World Series for the Astros in 2017 is. This is literally state-run media, by the way. Like Brian Cashman now went to Beltron and was like, "All right, you're doing this Yes interview." Probably this is what he said. Hey, you're doing this Yes interview because mm-hmm. now everyone thinks I'm a loser for the comments that I made. So you're going to go out and you're going to say you work for us now. Hey, Astros World Series totally tainted. They cheated. I cheated. It was not fun. It was not good. So the quote was, I didn't stop. I didn't stop it the way no one stopped it. Um, and uh, said that it was definitely wrong and that there is, there is an asterisk next to the title. And then Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick replied to this Buster Olney tweet who was quoting Carlos Beltran mm-hmm. um, and said, Jose Altuve and Josh Reddick can be added to the list of not using the sign ceiling scandal as well. Josh Reddick, who had a career season during the 2017 Astros cheating scandal. Um, so if we're going to separate people into camps now for, you know, you got the Astros in one camp, they suck. We don't like them, but we're also not mm-hmm. on the cheating scandal. Then you have Brian Cashman in the, the other end of the camp, who's still harping on the cheating scandal and trying to use it as an excuse in regards to his legacy. And then you have Josh Reddick in his own world, claiming that he did not adopt any of these practices, despite having the best numbers of his career during the year in which this giant practice was employed. Um, so fuck them all. That's, that's, that's essentially what I'm saying here. That's Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick has been using this stuff as fake news forever because somebody John boy tweeted, like, is that a buzzer? And it was like a piece of confetti on Josh Reddick's neck. And so you give these people one opening like that where you are wrong. And then they're just like, everything you've ever said is also wrong. It's like, okay, well that's (laughs) absolutely not true. Um, but that's how these people invalidate shit like that. It's like, oh my God, you made one mistake. So actually you made 300 other mistakes. Am I right? And then everyone who agrees with them is like, damn right. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Everything. The news is crazy. Like the news is insane. Like that's absolutely now what's happening. Also, uh, there have been Astros fans all weekend being like, there was, what was the tweet? Like, it, like people keep talking about the Astros tainted title. It just makes me appreciate it more. Cause like people can't get the Astros out of their mouth. Like, is this actually the best title ever? Because people are going to keep bringing it back up every year. It's like, nope. Also, you just shouldn't care. Like, you're an Astros fan. You won the world. You won the world. The World Series. You won it. And MLB can never take that away from you. They've made it clear they're not going to enjoy it. Watch the DVDs. Who cares what I care about you? Who gives a fuck? I'm just some guy. I don't like you. I don't like your team. And I don't think you won the World Series legitimately. That has nothing <laughs> to do with me saying like Brian Cashman's also a fool for saying that he deserves an asterisk on his failure because of your cheating. And again, the Yankees scored three runs in four games. We already covered this. They're they're They don't get a pass. Like they beat us because we were terrible on the road. Um, but to say that like, this is the greatest and most meaningful title of all time, because I can't keep your team out of my mouth. Like, why are you even listening to me? Who are you? Go insular, listen to Astros fan podcasts and, and read Astros content. Because in your world, it's a real title. So just keep hanging out with your people. You, you're in Houston. Unless you're in New York, in which case, move. You should move. <laughs> because 
that you're going to hear about bad things. People don't, people don't like your team. Um, Carlos Beltran breaking the judge extension on air is going to be a, an historic moment. And it, you know what? Talk about state-run media. If the Yankees do sign judge to an extension before opening day, no one is going to respond to this. They are never going to tell you that Carlos Beltran broke it live on air. No. Like, someone's going to ask, like, that Carlos Beltran stuff the other day, what was that? And they're just going to be like, we'd rather not address it, actually, but we are excited about Aaron's future. You'll never hear about this again. You'll never get a straight answer here. But it's very funny. I, I, I mean, look, if they don't come to an agreement before the deadline, then obviously it's not real. But if they do, I'm fairly confident that Beltran knew it and it's been public knowledge for weeks. We read on Friday that uh, Mark Feinstein said a deal was going to get done. It was industry expectation, but nobody was sure if it was going to be seven or eight years at a similar AAV. And like, okay, I mean, again, I buy that. I buy all of that. I don't buy abject silence. Like I have, I heard somebody, I drove back from uh, Virginia last night. I had a great weekend. Thanks for asking everybody uh, in the crowd, in the chat. Um, <laughs> but somebody on the WFAN overnight was like talking about the Yankees massive mistake with Aaron judge. I don't understand what's going on with Aaron judge. It, do the New York Yankees not value stars? And like, that's the conversation I'm just not willing to have right now. Cause there's just no way that there's not something in the works. Like if, okay, egg on my face. If opening day, comes and goes and then brian cashman's like yeah we really beefed it we didn't talk to him at all we don't really care that much about aaron judge like every indication this offseason is that they're willing to go above and beyond and they're offered a judge but no one else and that's the problem the problem isn't that they're disrespecting judge it seems extremely clear that they have an offer laid out for him everyone's saying it's 30 million or more and again we will learn more and if the time comes and it's three days from now, and they didn't agree, and Cashman's like, we offered him something kind of, sort of, and then we never talked about it again. Then you can get mad at the Yankees for neglecting their stars. Yes. Or whatever. But at this point, I think it's way more likely that they've got something under wraps, and it's already done, according to Carlos Beltran. <laughs> I, not just it, and I'm not even 100% on board with the judge extension. I mean, I, I'll do it. I, I know it's going to turn out poorly by year seven. I'll do it. It's not my money, and I love Aaron Judge, and I think the Yankees should do everything in their power to keep him. But it's not like I'm just hearing the narrative that I want to and not the one that I don't. If the Yankees were really disrespecting Aaron Judge, I would talk about it. But I just yeah. I do not foresee that being what's actually – that just does not seem realistic to me. Now let's get back to the Miguel Castro trade, if you will. I mean, do you have any more thoughts on Judge? I think that's pretty much done and dust. No, I like Judge. Um, the only thing I don't like about this is that this extension is going to keep them from fucking not spending on anybody else next year and the year after, so – Yes. Um, well, partially. We got a bunch of money coming up the, off the books next year um, and then two years after that. So I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I want Aaron Judge here. I do want Aaron Judge here. Uh, let's let's talk about Miguel Castro. I think that uh, – I love that, this deal. I love this deal. This deal is – this is the, a rare Cashman W. Um, I just don't understand how this deal was able to be made, quite frankly. Uh, you want to talk about the Yankees bullpen being incomplete. I think it was way more incomplete before they pulled this one off uh, when they somehow ended up with a bunch of matchup lefties. Lucas Litke's here. He can get righties out, but he obviously does better against lefties. Wandy Peralta's here. He can get righties out, but he obviously does very well against lefties. Joely Rodriguez is here, and he mostly just owns lefties, which, okay. I mean, that was a more valuable part of a bullpen three years ago before there was a three batter minimum. I've enjoyed Joely Rodriguez. I think that he was he pitched better. He had better stuff than his numbers indicated when he got here. Good August, good September. He's unfairly sort of impugned for being the guy who 
is the was the Yankees' only offseason signing in the month of December, January, and February. And now he's gone. It, you can't carry three lefties like that. Miguel Castro is a is a Clay Holmes light. He's like a turbo sinker guy who couldn't figure out how to control the ball. Clay Holmes joins Matt Blake. All of a sudden, he's dotting corners at 97, 98. Miguel Castro, kind of the same guy. And it's also worth noting, extremely worth noting, that last year against lefties, Joely Rodriguez had a 203 average against 231 slugging, 559 OPS. Miguel Castro against lefties, 198 average, 270 slugging, 583 OPS. Extremely similar numbers and a lower batting average uh, lefties had against Miguel Castro uh, than they even did against Joely Rodriguez, and that's Joely Rodriguez's sole job. So if it, it goes further than that, too, Joely Rodriguez, I mean, what's the upside? Like, he occasionally handles the sixth or seventh when the bullpen is tired, and most of the time yeah. the mop-up guy. Miguel Castro could be a seventh, eighth inning guy. He has been in the past, recent past. I've always liked him. Um, you know, the walks are a problem. Matt Blake has been great with that, too. Clay Holmes, The walks are a problem for Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes coming to the Yankees with, like, the worst numbers of any reliever, and he absolutely dominates down the stretch, and he has pinpoint control. So... I don't know what to tell you. I just know that I'm not sure why the Mets, you know, sacrificed the seventh, eighth inning guy who was sort of a key cog for them for Joely Rodriguez, who is again, sort of the last guy in the bullpen. Uh, the Yankees just traded the last two guys in their bullpen in Rodriguez and Abreu. And this swap makes a lot more sense. It's a great swap. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to get on, I don't want to get on Mets fans, but I'm, I'm, trade happens i'm going through twitter so you know, okay cool this is not I, I mean i like i've always liked castro averages 98 miles an hour on a sinker like that's the stuff the yankees like um and uh is finally coming into his own after struggling for however many years it's been um and then i see just mets fans on there like a great swap for both sides like this makes sense like they weren't even bragging that they won the trade which was nice to see but like I even think saying this is a win for both sides, it's like, how is this a win for both sides? You got rid of a legitimate asset who performed very well last year, 3.45 ERA. I know I know, ERA for relievers is a sore subject for some other people, but he went 70 in a third innings, 4.36 FIP, fine, 1.29 whip, which is good. The walks are a problem, but... Guess what? Guess who else had walk problems? Joely Rodriguez. Before coming to New York, he had o- almost a five uh, career walks per nine, and they came to New York and in those twenty-one games was two point eight uh, walks per nine innings. So, like you said, Matt Blake is good with that. If the Yankees can figure out a way to minimize Miguel Castro's walks, that's going to be huge. Um, and the fact that he is that prolific against lefties as a right-handed pitcher, sinker, slider, changeup combo great division of miles per hour. Uh, I'm sorry, great difference in between all those pitches in terms of miles per hour too. 98, 92, 86. It's a great gap for all your pitchers, especially if you only have three, as we know, it's harder to operate with three than it is four. Um, Joelle had sinker changeup, fastball slider um, and underwhelming, you know, 94 miles an hour, I think was his average fastball. Uh and his sinker, they dueled that. And then his slider was 86 miles an hour and his changeup was 88. So you didn't have that big differentiating speed um, uh, discrepancy between between his four pitches. You have a bigger gap with Miguel Castro. Um, and I just like the build of Miguel Castro. He's a twig. 
He's like, what? What are his dimensions? I have his baseball. Oh, you were going to say twink. Dimensions? He's, like photograph, photograph dimensions? I don't know. Let me look him up. I he's think Miguel Castro is in, he's in 1080p. Um, <laughs> he's my twink. He's 6'7". Seven, 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 205 pounds. He's, he's like, uh, he's like uh, Carl Edwards when Carl Edwards yeah. had like his brief moment with the Cubs uh, back he's in the, He's the tallest twink. He's the tallest twink of all time. He's the tallest twink. Um, I love that build. I don't know why. I don't know if it's an actual thing that like makes a pitcher better, but yeah. I think it's deceptive. You have a tall, skinny pitcher on the mound, and he's throwing flames, um, and he can also throw the off speed and catch you off guard. Um, so, and the other thing here is both of these guys are free agents after the year, so it was there's no extra money coming in. I think they make literally the same amount of money. Castro was making like two point two million, and Joelle was making two million. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the upside. There's a lot of red on these guys' uh, uh, baseball savant pages. Um, and the red from last year for Joelli was mostly because of his second half stint with the Yankees, um, where one could say he overperformed. Um, I, I, I would be in that camp based on just his career numbers before then. Mm-hmm. Um, never really had any success outside of, a, of, a short, of the shortened 2020, which – only featured him appearing in 12 games. Um, Castro's kind of had a gradual come down to earth, mm-hmm. um, which I like better. Um, and he's only 26 years old. So he's still got time in front of him. If the Yankees view him as an extension candidate. I think that's way more worthy, uh, worthwhile than a Joely uh, Rodriguez extension. So um, not coming at Met fans, but I think we have a clear winner on paper before this begins. Um, and it's the Yankees trade to lose up until the end of the year. I was listening to some very frustrating Mets commentary. It's for some reason, Mets people and the Mets people calling in WFAN are like not at all on board with what the Yankees did this offseason. There's some brain lock going on between, you know, different sides of New York sports where, you know, the Yankees have, have chased stars for a decade, right? They've supplemented their roster with stars. They keep adding new stars. And every time they do it, the team gets worse. But then for some reason, when they don't do it and then prioritize chemistry, the same people are like, I don't know. I thought the Yankees were going to get stars and I don't get it. Um, you know, there were stars there for the taking and they didn't get them. Um, and it's just, it, you know, I feel like everybody who's really down on the Yankees right now has no understanding of vibes. I feel like if you have understanding, if you have a vibe understanding, then you're, you're feeling what the Yankees are doing every single spring training game. Again, results do not matter. Every single spring training game seems more competitive than the Yankees have looked at any point in the previous couple of years. If you tuned into last year's spring training, you saw the starters get one or two hits in five innings and then some random back-end guys stringing together rallies. Everything feels a little bit different this year. So I don't know if the Yankees are going to win 97, 98 games. I would predict against it. Um, I had them before they made any offseason additions at like 86, 87. Their over-under is 91 and a half, which I think is actually low. That feels a little low, and I would pre- I would say 94. I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock, but I would say like 94, 95 feels appropriate. Um, you know, it, last year, the, the people who are telling me this roster is worse than last year's opening day roster, which featured about to regress Gio Urshela at third and someone who the defensive metrics did not like at all, and in and Jay Bruce starting at first base. And Glaber uh, Torres at shortstop. And Glaber Torres at shortstop. That's the team that you liked most. Rubnet Odor was starting by the end of the second series. They started the year five and ten, and people were throwing baseballs and trash at them from the stands. 
That's the team you're comparing this to. And the Yankees turned that team, by the way, into a 92-win team. Yeah. So if you're, I heard a whole lot this weekend of, I don't understand what they're doing. They didn't chase stars. I haven't uh, – uh, sorry, Disha Thosar on WFAN last night said, I haven't liked a single move the Yankees have made this offseason. Really? Are you sure? And this is also in the context of, of Jacob deGrom not being available for five months, four months. I mean – from what I heard as well, he didn't throw a baseball between his injury last year and March reporting to spring training to make sure he kept his arm fresh and he still showed up with a scapular fracture. And it makes me very upset, but the Mets without Jacob deGrom and with a rotation of Max Scherzer, Tyler McGill, uh, Taiwan Walker, yeah, Bassett. Bassett, and completely cooked Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson and Jordan Yamamoto. I mean, you're very quickly, I mean, that's a better team than last year, Yeah, but but not by that much. So to think that the Mets are still on some stratosphere the Yankees haven't reached yet, I do not think that that is true. And I do think that losing DeGrom, you have lost the best pitcher in baseball. That is huge. Uh, So not to turn this into a Yankees-Mets referendum, and I'm not exactly confident in the Yankees. A lot of people are going to have to bounce back in order to hit these projection numbers. And could they easily have a a worse season than last year? Sure. It would not take a lot of departures, and it would certainly not take a lot of injuries. But right now, I like most of the moves this offseason. I don't care about Ben Rortvet. I don't feel like that was a supreme prime addition to this roster. Um, And I think you could have done better there in the replacing Gary Sanchez division. But they went all in on defense there. They went all in on infield defense. The infield defenders they got can also hit. And the outfield picture makes a lot more sense. Full year of Joey Gallo, full year of Anthony Rizzo, and the pitching staff is deep. So, you know, things could break in the wrong direction 100%, absolutely. But as of now, the Mets have lost the best player on the roster, and the Yankees have not done that. And, you know, I, I'm not, I don't even think the Mets, with all their roster moves, did not sprint past the Yankees this offseason. No, um, and tell me, please tell me about the Mets' offense, which is typically a problem for them. They, I, Mark Canha, I like, Starling Marte, I like, Eduardo Escobar, I like. Is that, those are the impact moves that are going that, to that take their offense to the next level? And Marte's where, hurt, Marte's hurt, and they lost Conforto again. Yeah, and they don't have, lost. like, Conforto, not a good year last year, but Conforto, a pretty good baseball player. He might end up back there because of all these contract issues that he's having in the open market. Um, he injured his shoulder earlier in the offseason, wanted to fully heal before he renegotiated and engaged with teams. Um, but, like, the Mets offense doesn't scare me. And, yeah, Francisco Lindor has a lot to prove. I don't. I think he's going to have a good year, but yeah. – you throw in the factor of pressure here. You've started off your New York tenure bad, really bad. Not a good season from you. Um, and th- they still don't have a third baseman, the Mets. It's J.D. Davis still, I guess. There was right? there was an all-time WFAN call that was basically like, A.J. Pollock got swapped for Craig Kimbrell this weekend. Why couldn't the Mets have done that with J.D. Davis, who has more control? And it's like, because that guy's not good. <laughs> That's why you are trying to trade that. Dom Smith. Who's like one of the better hitters on the team when he's utilized properly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I'm good. I root for the Mets guys. I like the Mets. I don't have anything against the Mets. I'm I just, just don't know how Mets don't fans don't get it at this point. How do you guys not get it? Yeah. How are you guys were, you guys were so hype all off season. DeGrom got hurt and now you're still doing we're better guys, guys, you might be equal. You might, you be, might be better. If you're better. better great. Little I don't better. care. I don't care, but you're like, DeGrom gets hurt and your first reflex is to go, we're still better than the Yankees guys. You know how this goes.
You just know how this goes. All right. On to, I mean, we've already mo- mostly touched on the opening day roster stuff because, um, you know, moves were made during the podcast. Well, I got a question. Yeah. Miguel Andujar is really going to make this opening day roster? I really don't think so, but he's still here. What are they uh, going to do? He has one option left, I think. JP Sears and and uh, Ron Marinaccio and Clark Schmidt are kind of the guys. It depends on how many bullpen arms the Yankees want to take. Marwin Gonzalez, again, you know, he was not part of that demotion earlier this afternoon when Ender and Ciarte and Manny Benuelos went to AAA. So in case you needed more evidence that Marwin's making the team, there you go. J.P. Sears got an audition today that didn't feel like it kind of felt like he was out of the mix, especially after Clark Schmidt was so good the other day. And he has all the minor league options in the world. And it, just think logically, like uh, unless J.P. Sears absolutely blew everybody away, why do you need to bend over backwards to give him a chance that Clark Schmidt hasn't gotten? Clark Schmidt yeah. has done plenty to prove you should be on this opening day roster. J.P. Sears entered today's start with a 17.15 ERA, which is fully in the Jake Diekman Red Sox zone. Uh, he was great. He, he blew the Phillies away in the first inning. Three innings, two hits, one run, ultimately got out of a bases-loaded no-outs jam with a sack fly and a couple of outs. Walked one with three, reduces the ERA to 8.10. You know, again, spring training stats, do they matter? Not really. There's plenty of instances where someone is terrible in spring training and immediately gets it together. The underlying metrics are more important than the outward stats. But in a roster battle, I don't think you can reasonably give the nod to a guy who was bad, right? No, yeah. Jesus was bad most of the spring. He looked good today. He looked bad for most of the spring. Marinaccio looks great. Clark Schmidt looks very good, like like he's rounding back into form. And we'll talk about the spin rate stats in a second, but that looks like somebody I'd rather give a chance to right now, especially because he's paid his dues. There's no harm in sending Sears to AAA. I would opt for an extra pitcher over carrying Miguel Andujar. Um, And I would certainly carry Marwin Gonzalez over Miguel Andujar at this point in time. But they tendered him a contract, and he's still here. Hasn't been reassigned yet. So rolling my eyes. Yeah. It's, it's it's absolutely crazy. And then Oswaldo Cabrera gets 10 at-bats this spring. Immediate so demotion. Yeah, right away. Why, why don't we – look, they probably know more than I do. They probably know more than we do. But 10 at-bats from a guy who could potentially be a utility middle infielder for you when that's, like, been a problem over the last couple of years? I don't know. And then I have more questions about the opening day lineup. Forget about the roster. DJ LeMahieu, is he not going to start? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to open the season without – arguably one of the best hitters on the team not starting against the team's biggest rival on in the opening series like it seems they like labor tours at second that's what they want and dj lemay was not playing third base or first base if anthony rizzo and josh donaldson are here on opening day i'm talking about he will obviously get reps at a multitude of positions throughout the year when guys need rest and whatnot but like it's a bad look to not have dj lemay in the starting lineup on opening day that's 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 my opinion um, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of cool like fringe battles here, but I also think like like if Miguel Andujar is not here, the conversation's a little bit easier. If I don't, I, I just don't, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I really don't. I'd rather have the extra pitcher. We all know that um, we're gonna need to preserve both. We're gonna need to preserve the starting rotation after a year in which it overachieved. Got to preserve the bullpen after it was taxed last year. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just like – and what's the deal with Tim LaCastro? Like, what's going on there? Is that is he here? Is he making the roster? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It seems like he is making the roster because that was a really easy one. He's on a major league deal for whatever reason. For whatever, for is whatever it a major league deal? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim LaCastro was fully here. Um, I probably knew that, but I'm just not paying attention. For some reason, he was added to the 40-man. Uh, Aaron Boone's on the on the broadcast right now saying Glaber's going to make occasional starts at short stuff. I mean, no, he's not, right? <laughs> this isn't. Um, you just can't be doing that. Not. Um, but other than that, we don't have any additional information other than Carlos Beltran trying to backtrack from a 35 sentence explanation of why Aaron Judge has already signed a contract extension. That one of the funniest things that's ever happened. He might get he might get fired. He really might get fired. He, he, they just pulled him out of a hole. Basically, the Yankees like gave him a life raft. They were like, Ooh. "You've been in baseball exile for two years." Uh, but it's okay. Alex Cora got a second chance, and we're going to give you one too. And he was like, "Great! I think I'm going to share company secrets on the microphone day one. Is that okay?" <laughs> they were like, "Wait, don't do that!" Then he was already <laughs> doing it. He was already doing it by the time that <laughs> the clarifier came out. Um, Alex Cora, man. I, I mean, again, why is hey? Here's a fun one for you to noodle over. Why is Carlos Beltran doing tell-alls on the Yes Network about how the Astros sign ceiling scandal was wrong? Where's Alex Cora? Is he, why is he doing one of those on Nesson? Why isn't, he, why isn't he doing one of those? Uh, the Yankees are doing it with Beltron because he's an announcer. Yeah. Or is the manager. Yeah. He manages the team. Can we just get one of those? Uh, hell, I'll do it on Yes Network. If Nesson won't do it, <laughs> let's get the Alex Cortell all on Yes. Um, okay, before we, before we sign off, I do want to talk about spring training mirages that you can buy into and not buy into. Obviously, Everyone is going to use spring training stats to confirm their own preconceived notions and biases. If you were worried about, and it's also to quell worries, right? So Kyle Higashioka has seven home runs this spring. If you were freaking out about the catcher position, or if you were just so excited they traded Gary Sanchez, then you're immediately going to be like, okay, well, looks like the Yankees knew something I didn't know because Kyle Higashioka is going to hit 40 bombs this year. Like, there's nothing, all due respect to Kyle Higashioka, there is nothing about his spring performance that just screams he's going to do it in the regular season and put up 30 homers. It's awesome. We already knew he had power, though, right? So he put together a heater, and that's great. But spoiler alert, like, probably going to have two homers at the end of April. And then all of you guys are going to be like, what in the... Oh, man. But he just... But he... But but he... And then I'm going to have to be like, no, but remember, it's just kind of random. Like, anyone can do anything in two weeks. So best of luck to Kyle Higashioka, but that is a mirage. Truly, I would not buy into his his ridiculous power surge. He might homer more than Gary this year because Gary's probably going to get hurt in DH. But, but if he if he does homer more, if he has more home runs than Gary, then that will speak to how bad the Yankees were in handling Gary Sanchez's situation over the last three years. Hundred percent, hundred thousand percent, and I hope he hits a ton of bombs. And you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I would say the three mirages that you should definitely be paying attention to. And luckily, one of them has apparently made the opening day roster. I would say Glaber Torres, uh, the swagger is back, and the opposite field pop is real. So it's not it's it's a combination of the eye test and the data, right? Uh, you know, there's a difference between putting up big numbers and putting up big numbers in a different way uh, than you were last year whenever you succeeded and doing things and exhibiting behaviors that you refused to do the year prior. So Glaber Torres went from 38 homers in 2019 to zilch nothing absolute zero and then this offseason all of a sudden he comes back to spring training he's hitting balls to right center out into the gaps over the wall uh his ops as of friday was 990 now that's again 
you know, you don't have to believe in it. You know, and, and I'm not saying he's about to put up a thousand OPS season. And I know what a small sample size is, and I know what spring training is. But I would say that you know what we've seen from Glaber Torres so far is much, much more in line with what the Yankees need him to be. This is not to say he's going to open the season and immediately put up 15 bombs in April. This is just saying that it's not your typical good spring training performance. He has made the adjustments that people were yelling at him to make all offseason long at the plate. And when he succeeds this spring, it's not bloops and it's not, you know, pulling the baseball down the line for, for doubles and loopers all the time. He is going to the opposite field and he is clearing the wall. So that is worth watching. My other two are Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt because Davey Garcia's fastball averaged just over 92 in 2020 and 2021. That is not enough velocity for Davey Garcia. And Pedro Martinez loved him at that velo, and he loved how he kept hitters off balance, but that's not enough. And he made that painfully obvious when he missed his spots in most of his big league outings and AAA outings in 2021. Now he's sitting 95 and 96. In his first start against the Tigers, uh, he was at, uh, you know, March 28th, uh, he was averaging 95.5. He averaged 92.1 in the first two seasons of his career. In his next outing, he was he was hitting, you know, 96, 96.1. That low 96 average, red, spin rate high, and velocity high on StatCast. That's a tangible difference. That is not just somebody skating through spring training or Davey walking three and working out of it with a sack fly because somebody's backup to the backup to the backup strikes out and pops out with guys on base. That velo increase is very real. Unfortunately, he could not survive at that previous velocity, and it led to a whole bunch of things. The velocity wasn't increasing. The the windup was out of whack. He was missing spots. He was walking batters. If he can fix that, fix the walk rate, and the velo goes up, that's extremely important. He's at AAA for a reason. He can't be on the big league roster yet. I don't think you can go immediately and make that leap and say, we already trust you enough to be carrying important innings in April. But that is a massive increase in velocity, and that's a very real tangible Matt Blake change. Clark Schmidt, as of March 30th, led all Major League starting pitchers with a 2,655 average spin rate in spring training. Monstrous! Leading baseball! That's different, right? That is different. Clark Schmidt has always been an above-average prospect. The projectability is saying you hope that his frame, the production eventually matches the frame. He ends up throwing a mile an hour or two harder when he ramps up as he gets farther and farther removed from that injury he suffered in 2021 spring training when he overthrew and ended up out until the middle of the summer. The further you get from that, the closer you get to hoping he fulfills his projections. And if he, if his spin rate is there during the regular season, then trust me, he, he will be very effective. So those are some legitimate changes in several of the Yankees that you should keep your eye on when the season opens. And if they all backslide, then you can blame me. Blame Adam if it doesn't go the right way. Uh, but I couldn't agree more. Love these, and not just because we're co-hosts and have to be um, uh, nice to each other. Um, it's because these are the spring training. These are the trends in spring training that you look for. The Aaron Judges, the Giancarlo Stantons, the Garrett Coles, you know what they can do. Doesn't matter what they do on the field in spring training. Doesn't matter what their prep is or what their uh, – how they decide to get into their rhythms. There is no effect on their game in spring training for guys that are looking to prove themselves. You obviously take certain things with a grain of salt. If you know, Davey Garcia were theoretically were to pitch four scoreless outings in spring, he's not the new number two pitcher, but Hey, had a really bad year last year, came back, faced major league hitters and had a good spring Upped his velocity. Very nice. Same with Clark Schmidt. Um, 
a guy who missed most of last year with an injury the year before was made his MLB debut under the fucking craziest circumstance you'll ever see in your life. Um, and didn't succeed obviously because of the circumstances. Um, Pitching better, like you said, leading the league in a certain category. It's different when when these are the trends. And Gleyber Torres, of course, regressed heavily the last two years. Do I think Gleyber Torres crushing spring training pitching is going to speak to what he's going to do in 2022? No, but guess what? He still he 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 is not doing what he was doing last year. Looking completely confused at the plate, lacking confidence, no aggression whatsoever, finishing with one hand on the bat and it was the wrong hand like whatever he was doing last year was so out of whack and so uncharacteristic that just to see a somewhat of a return to normalcy for him and to add in elements like swinging at first pitch and cranking it going opposite field power which you didn't see at all last year trends that we could say hey i think i like what i'm seeing and i think maybe just maybe hey we can have a reverse regression here or these younger guys can carve out a role for themselves based on the positivity. So um, that's how you have to view spring training through the lens. Um, Gary Sanchez muddled all of that for everybody because his spring performances or his winter league performances would be bad. And then you're like, what the hell is going on? And everyone's like, oh, but he hit 34 home runs two years ago. So it's fine. And in reality, it's not really fine. So Gary Sanchez, the outlier for all of these things, spring training, view it um, with uh, hope and, uh, looking for the right positive trends and know how to apply them and you'll be fine. We can have positive discussions. Yep. And that is it for this Yanks go yard mega cast prior to the end of spring training. We'll know more tonight and in the coming days for sure. I do want to read you uh, one of the all time John Heyman tweets before we sign off. I laughed at that. Detailing uh, the Carlos Beltran situation. New Yankees broadcaster Carlos Beltran suggested Yankee star Aaron Judge had an extension with the team on the broadcast today, but was told to correct himself. He did. No deal yet is the word. Official word? Colon, it was the it was a first broadcast mistake by Beltran. He was told to correct himself because it's totally not true. Right, John? That's what you said, right? Like the Yankees brass went out of their way to correct Carlos Beltran because there was not a, a shred of truth to it. Again, we'll see. We will find out. It certainly again, it feels as if Carlos Beltran jumped jumped the gun. This sounds like insider Yankee locker room public knowledge. We will find out in the coming days. And if the deal falls apart because Carlos Beltran vocalized it too early, yikes. Spend that money on somebody better. Trey Turner, maybe, because Glaber Torres is not a backup shortstop. That is officially it for the Yankees uh Yankees Curry Art Podcast. Today on this beautiful Monday, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag cues. We'll be more than happy to answer them. And the end of spring training and opening day is just around the river bend on the horizon. Until next time. Whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb. Go Heels. Coach K's career is over. He is dead. He is never coming back to college basketball. Uh, unless he is, and he for sure is, because he's definitely going to pull a Tom Brady. And I also want to give a special shout-out, special shout-out, the most special shout-out I've ever given to Coach K's wife, who up one point, one point, single point, uh, the amount of points that can be erased by any shot in basketball, um, even a free throw, that gets rid of a point. A point is nothing. Uh, With a one-point lead, she did a victory lap around the arena that the cameras caught, where she told the students in the section to stay where they were. She she told every student whose hand she shook, don't rush the court. Uh, and that's great. Hey, guess what? They took your advice. 
They didn't do that because they fucking lost. So uh, the Duke University as, as an institution is, you know, I hate the Red Sox. I don't like what they stand for, but they are a professional sports organization. They're not an academy. They're not shaping the futures of young men. I just don't like the Red Sox and their players, nor do I like the city of Boston. But I would never go so far as to say the organization is insidious and is doing damage to American society. Duke is doing damage to American society. They are creating horrible future leaders. Stephen Miller, the Nazi, is Duke. Richard Spencer, the Nazi, is Duke. Duke (laughs) is genuinely bad. I have personal beefs with Duke as well. Uh, And every time they lose, it is about so much more than Coach K and his wife and the pretension involved in the program. They are genuinely a bad school full of bad people. And if you choose to go there, your brain is bad. So rest in peace to the Duke Blue Devils, who are no longer in March Madness. Coach K is never coaching again until again until he is next year, which is absolutely something that will happen. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's, or, at Tommy's underscore takes, I too very much uh, enjoyed watching Duke lose. Um, correct, not molding the proper leaders for this country. They didn't shake hands with the players after the game. No, nope, um, they never do. Shitty stuff, awful. Um, I'll be rooting for the Jayhawks tonight, though, um, and you can find me doing – actually, I'm going to be partially at a concert, so I'm going to be doing double duty tonight as well. Um, so you can find me on Twitter talking about it, at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of written content there for you. Lots coming up this week, especially right before opening day. Talk to us also on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're going live on there as well every Monday and Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Everyone, get pumped for opening day. We'll talk to you after the game. Hopefully it's a Yankees win and not a rainout. Love you. Can't do a rainout, folks. Just cannot do it. But way too long in offseason. We cannot do it. But guess what? We're about to. We'll see you on Thursday. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something, or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's Backyard for 27 days now, proving the Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.